1: called Challenge 2.0. There have been two diametrically opposed opinions expressed. We are in a new and more dangerous era, or we have met these challenges before. The 1960s brought massive protests, lynchings, and political assassinations. Now, some 60 years later, we've witnessed killings in schools, offices, places of worship, large-scale protests in the street, the violent takeover of the US Capitol, and threatened political executions of leaders. This program has bridged both eras. Well, today we welcome Father William Tracy, one of the original hosts of Challenge Program, now 101 years young, and Rabbi Ted Falcon, who although he was not one of the original hosts of Challenge, has worked very, very closely with Father Tracy, so Father Tracy and Rabbi Ted, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. It's you great to be here and here to be
0: with my friend, Rabbi Falcon.
1: You know, there have been dissenting opinions before we really get into uh, the depth of what we're going to be talking about, whether the sixties or the current era have been more dangerous and divisive just very quickly. What's your perspective on this?
0: There's, there's things uh, that surprise me. In fact, a Monday's paper, um, a congressperson said a Jewish laser beam started a forest fire. That kind of negative things that just amazed me at this time after 60 years of working Christian Jewish relations.
2: You know, I, I have a suspicion that what we're hearing is not actually new, but we are newly hearing it, Mm -hmm. you know, that somehow anti-semitism, for example, has kind of flowed into more public view. Uh, So we are hearing the broadcast of uh, voices of hate and exceptionalism uh, that I suspect have always been there, but Uh, The power of social media, the power of the internet, Mm -hmm. uh, the ease of mass communication has enhanced the capacity of those uh, points of view to reach more people and therefore to be far more dangerous. To me, to discuss
0: this whole subject of uh, Anti-Judaism, because my church has had a bad record on it. But I believe in evolution—evolution evolution in medicine, communications, and so on. So there's evolution taking place in my church today, where uh, over the past 60 years, I've had a very good relationship between Jews. But I'm sure there's some residue from past centuries that surface would account for the prejudice too.
1: As we look back to the 1960s and the program, the original program challenge came about with the idea that if there was interfaith dialogue, that perhaps that might lower the temperature a little bit as it were. Uh, How did each of you become interested uh, in interfaith dialogue and joint action?
0: Well, I'd like to respond to that first. Um, I was born in Ireland. There were about 5,000 Jews in Dublin. I had no contact with them, or until I came out here. I never met a Jewish person until 1960. At that time, the local rabbi, Rabbi Levine, was meeting with William Warren, the manager of Como, discussing the possibility of a TV program with a rabbi, a Catholic priest, and a Protestant minister. And the rabbi came to the Catholic Archbishop to look for a priest. I knew nothing about this negotiation. So one day the Archbishop met me, I changed my life with one sentence. Says Rabbi Levine is some ID for a TV program, go down and talk to him. That was the beginning of a wonderful 25 year friendship with the Rabbi and the beginning of a TV program to try and enter into dialogue with Jews. As a matter of fact, um, speaking to a Jewish community sometimes later one of them said to me, "But well, it's not what you said today. When I see you on Sunday night talking to a rabbi,
2: I'm happy.
1: Rabbi Ted, how about your experience? What got you involved in this?
2: You know, I grew up at in a different world. Um, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. My early years were spent in a community called Cleveland Heights, which had a A reasonable proportion of jewish people certainly not the majority but i had friends who were jewish i had friends who weren't jewish i was aware of differences Um, but i was also aware that there were sections of cleveland where jews could not live there were uh, some of the nicest sections around shaker heights where jews and african americans were not welcome and it was it was it was not a hidden it was mm-hmm. it was known you know you um so there was a sense of difference a sense of estrangement when i was 14 and we moved to a outlying community where there were far fewer jews and i went to a Uh, actually a school which at the time was in a more rural uh, setting, I was confronted with a kind of anti-Jewish hostility that I was totally unprepared for. Um, And not only did I experience uh, physical um, attacks, I experienced the most of the people, the other kids kind of not knowing what to do, Mm -hmm. you know, so they would witness, but I would feel very alone. And I had a good friend who after some months said he could no longer come to my house because his parents found out that I was Jewish Mm -hmm. Um, where my parents Uh, built a house the neighbors built us a fence to separate us from them the kind of animosity and the kind of um, like personal attacks and being called a christ killer and um, led me to want to explore you know what is this Mm-hmm. Um, the Catholic Church has undergone significant evolution with respect to views on uh, Jewish-Christian-Jewish-Catholic relationships. My initial, um, the antagonism that I experienced was at the hands of Catholics. Mm-hmm. The healing also came at the hands of Catholics, um, which was, I think, very important. Unfortunately, I think there are some inbuilt uh, anti-Jewish prejudices, you know, within the Christian tradition. And I mean Mm -hmm. that within the Christian Bible you know, because it is hard for people to really appreciate that Jesus was actually Jewish. Mm -hmm. His followers were Jewish. This was not, sometimes when I'm talking to church groups, I ask them what religion was Jesus. And (laughs) there's often this blank look because, well, he must've been Christian. When I came to uh, Seattle in 1993, one of the first places I heard of was Camp Brotherhood. And one of the first people I met was Father Tracy.
1: Could both of you describe that initial meeting, uh, how you came to know each other and what those early interactions were like? For
0: me, um, Camp Brotherhood was changing my life, Me with Rabbi, He was exposed to some of the same things that Rabbi Falcon talked about from the time he was in grade school. So, his ideal was to have a place where people could come, particularly young people, could come and mix with them and have meals, have sports, and so on. Eliminate the prejudices that they heard from their parents so that you could have a spirit of unity there. So, we bought this 300 acre farm and set it up, got a lodge on it, and brought people there. That was our effort to promote unity among all kinds, understanding unity in our country that's so needed today. So for 50 years, we operated Camp Brotherhood. And um, one of my special moments in life was Rabbi was in an automobile accident. I was in a hospital. I went to see him the day before he died. I took his hand and promised him I'll keep trying to work for his vision, for unity and peace among people. And I think that helped from my viewpoint to make up for some of the past as a Catholic priest holding the hand of
2: a rabbi who died the next day promising to work for his vision. Through the years when I was actively with a congregation in Seattle, I would do a retreat at least once a year and I would do it at Camp Brotherhood, you know, and I participated several times as member of the board, um, I honor very much and am extremely grateful for the many meetings and conversations that I've been able to have with Father Tracy, you know, Um, although he's right here, I still would say that uh, Father Tracy is a most remarkable being and has carried a vision, a commitment, uh, a purpose, and a deep uh, energy of love with incredible consistency and has been a tremendous blessing in my life and I think without a doubt in the life of our community.
0: Thank you, Rabbi, very much. I appreciate these kind words. Perhaps I would like to mention a person who is a big influence in my life. And the audience had probably never heard of him. His name was is Jules Isaac. Jules Isaac was Inspector of Education for the French government. And he taught when the Nazis came, he, this might say or spare him. He found out that his name was on the list to be arrested. And went into hiding with his wife and family. Came home one night and found his house ransacked and they were taken away. So he went, he couldn't live without them. He went to the police station to turn himself in. The police officer said, you're late, it's eight o'clock, come back tomorrow. Meanwhile, some friends got to him and said, his wife said that had left a message for him, stay alive, the world is waiting for what you have to offer. In other words, the history of Christianity and Judaism. So he eventually got to see Pope John Twenty-third and got a law passed by all the Catholic bishops of the world in uh, December 8, 1965 that said, uh, for the sake of our common patrimony with the Jews, the church that cries hatred, persecution, displays of antisemitism st- staged against Jews at whatever time in history by whomsoever. And uh, so that to me is one of the comforting things about it. The, fact that he had a two-hour visit with Pope, Pope John XXIII, who was totally sympathetic to him and sat over to the past history. So he made a beginning in a new era between Jews and Christians, a very important one for the world.
1: As we look back at the 1960s, as you were just discussing there, uh, it appeared that in America we were becoming more open, more accepting of diversity. Uh, But the events of the past few years suggest that we are moving back to more tribalism, more rejection, more acceptance of even violence against those who are different from us. Uh, Does that surprise you? And I would guess why or why not? Well, for me,
0: I see great hope and in spite of the differences in our society today. When we Jews and Christians get together, we have a common message about the identity of a human being. Taken from Genesis chapter one verse twenty-seven, that were made to the image and likeness of God. That's the basis whether Republicans, the Democrats, or Americans or not. We're all carry something of God in us, so that, that calls for respect for the individual. Because uh, if you take that away, you have nothing left. You can't have a place for Hitler or Stalin or somebody like that. So that's what I see the importance of. Our, Christians and Jews coming together with a common message to get across the humanity, that's hope
2: for democracy, unity, not only in religion, but in our
0: secular society.
2: You were commenting, uh, Jeff, on the what appears to be the explosion of um, hate and uh, violence in our culture today. I certainly have never seen this in our country. You know, sometimes I have been frightened in a way that I imagine people being frightened in other countries when they see armed militia groups attacking their own government. Um, we've go- been going through a, a very disruptive and um, antagonistic polarizing time in our national drama and it still surprises me the percentage of our population that seems to adhere to a belief in separatism and exclusivity Mm -hmm. and finds in pluralism the enemy (laughs) um and that is, at least to me, very frightening. You know, because pluralism is, in a as far as I can tell, at the very heart mm-hmm. of the American experience, the uh, democratic experiment. So I, I think we are at a critical juncture in how we are going to respond
1: as we're at that juncture, what is your recommendation in terms of the best ways to respond to that?
0: I think one thing that's surprised me and saddened me was a study among students. 40% of them didn't know about the Holocaust. Uh, so what we need is to, to learn from the past, uh, what could happen to us. Um, somebody said that, um, What took place in our country recently was like uh, Hitler's attack on the Jews in the very beginning when he burned down the synagogues and so on in 1938 and there was no reaction to it. So we have to react to the negative as soon as we see it because uh, our dependence is is based on that respect that we have for one another. If that goes, then we have
2: lost our identity. We have created uh, some extraordinary vehicles of communication, allowing uh, a very different kind of connection and uh, publicity, you know, in social media and the internet. And we are discovering the shadow side or the um, unexpected consequences of that um, expansion and explosion of communication. I think many of us are struggling to find a way of responding to hate without ourselves falling into hate. It's so important that we communicate this
0: message together. It's our identity and we, the closer we get to each other all the better for humanity. When I started on TV in 1960, we came up against how prejudice has passed on from generation to generation in America. That what was stirring up the community at that time was a Catholic, John F. Kennedy was running, seeking to be president, the first president in well over a hundred years. And a lot of people wouldn't vote for him simply because he was a Catholic to misunderstanding. Yeah. So that's how we have to realize what the rabbi had in mind. We have to take each generation and have to get this message across to them. But who we are, uh, we're, we're, we have something special about us. So uh, and we have to reach out to others. Somebody has said, Rabbi, the fact that half the children of the world go to bed hungry. And one in seven may die of starvation. Dostoevsky said that's proof there's no God. That human, the rest of humanity ignores that part. So what I hope sometime, Rabbi, there will be a foundation, Jewish and Catholic, working to help people in need, as a symbol of what we I've mentioned from Genesis. Yeah. We see other human beings and not turn our backs on them.
1: You have both exemplified in your work, how faith traditions can evolve and people within those faith traditions can evolve. Yet we see some examples of faith traditions that have not really evolved and are continuing to feed uh, the distrust and the division. What is preventing that evolution uh, of faith? And what can be done about that?
0: Well, I think it begins in a family, uh, hard, what the values that are passed on, we we um, we're learning from the, the the virus at the present time that we have all means of communication, uh, but we we have to stay away from each other because the virus is, tells us how fragile we are. Mm-hmm. So we have to address that. That the important thing of education is uh, how the parents teach their children. So I think. Uh, we have Catholic schools and, and colleges, high schools, but I think the area where we need to concentrate from my viewpoint as a pastor for 75 years is how we deal with parents. And uh, that's why I was fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to 2000 couples preparing for marriage. They have to help them realize that the best teachers of their children.
2: The issue that we are confronting is, is really a profound, issue that humankind have has been confronting for thousands of years for millennia Mm
1: -hmm.
2: like we go back and we read literature whether it's torah or uh the sayings of jesus or the teachings of muhammad or even before that and we find a spiritual wisdom that is it's the same spiritual wisdom you know when 8th century before the common era, when a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel named Micah said, what is asked of you? What does God ask of you? Mm -hmm. Only to do justly and to love kindness and to walk with integrity with your God. I mean, when Amos in the same century said, let justice roll down like waters, righteousness like an ever-flowing stream we're still uh, essentially encountering the same issue that we've always been encountering the degree to which and i and i i personally believe that interfaith activity interfaith dialogue interfaith communication is one of the ways not the only way Mm -hmm. but i think it's one of the ways of helping us awaken to who we are, to what actually is going on here. The one manifests as the many. When the many forget that we are one, we wind up killing each other in Mm -hmm. one way or another. And we wreak havoc with our environment and we look idly by as children starve and people suffer.
1: I might just ask you in conclusion, uh, you both remain very busy. Uh, what do you view as your main priorities uh, today and going forth?
0: As the rabbi said, there's a spirituality, a presence of God in me that I can try and share with others in prayer. And that's and, and I do write articles for the, those who are work, took over from Camp Brotherhood, Path to Understanding, where I'm very much encouraging them carry on this vision that I can't, was granted by Rabbi Levine uh, and, and the way he changed my life because i never heard of Christian Jewish relations in the seminary, but, but meeting him opened up to me. So that's why I'm doing it the person time. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: my own focus is learning both within myself and as a teacher to support the kind of um, inclusive spiritual realization and awakening uh, that can allow us to celebrate the vision that Father Tracy has been speaking of and sharing for all these years.
1: Well, I thank both of you so much. This has been a a gift to me personally and I suspect People that are watching or listening are going to react the very same way. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, both of you. And thank you for watching and listening to us. We hope you'll join us again next week for the next edition of Challenge 2.0.
2: Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Father Tracy. Thank you, Rabbi,
1: very, very much. If you've enjoyed this program, found our conversations to be informative, entertaining, and thought-provoking, and the vision inspiring of people from different backgrounds who can disagree without being disagreeable. Perhaps you might consider supporting our program with a contribution. Your support will not only help our program continue, it will also support the broader efforts of Paths to Understanding, our supporting parent nonprofit organization. If you've enjoyed this program, please give us five stars and leave a review. If you can also tell one friend about the show, that would be great. You can find us on social media at Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find out more and financially support the show at pathstounderstanding.org. The program is hosted by executive producer Jeff Renner, produced by Tom Butterworth and John Sharifby. Cameras and audio by Rich McAdams, Tom Butterworth, and Dean Kuchia. Ian Olson is the production assistant.